0: Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday the 17th of November 2019. This morning we are joined by Pastor Neil Gordon, who takes his reading from Malachi 1, verses 1 to 5, and brings us a message entitled, Keep Focused on God. Well, I do want to give you thanks for your very warm words of welcome, Cumber. Thank you. And it's lovely to be here with you today, particularly on such an important occasion as this on your anniversary sunday and uh, for those of you who don't know me uh, my name is neil i'm from originally from east belfast uh alone currently serving the lord over in the northwest of the city uh over in shankill baptist where as clifford says i've been for the last six and a half years now but previous to that i i did work in, in it for about 13 years that explains the whole fascination with computers Um, But before that I actually used to be at Branham Memorial Church where I'd been involved for the the youth work there and the work of United Beach Missions. But the Shankill is a tremendous area with a great number of many challenges, even in the area too. And for those of you maybe who've had our brother David Dixon uh, maybe even here talking about the work in the community fellowship, you'll know it's a work where there is uh, many people around in the area and indeed many different churches. But yet sadly many who don't go to any church But it is an area where there are great opportunities opportunities to share the gospel on the doorsteps opportunities even in the schools as well Um, we're very thankful even for the open doors that we have in many of the schools in the shankill so uh, and we're also thankful even for even the young people we have coming to church in the, the youth club and sunday school but we'd love to see some of those families coming along to church can i ask you even to pray for that as well too because we have some come into youth organisations but we don't often see the rest of the families even gathered out on a Sunday. So do pray for us as we even pray for you as well too. So please do remember the work going on there in the shankill for myself and also for her brother David Dixon and the community fellowship too. But I want to turn to God's word today on this year anniversary Sunday to turn our attention to one of the minor prophets whose important message is perhaps sometimes sadly neglected today. It is the book of Malachi. And I want to read just a few verses of this wonderful book. So the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi was one of the last prophets to minister before the period in between the Old Testament and New Testament. When the voice of the prophets fell silent for 400 years. Before John the Baptist came to prepare the way for the Lord. Let's read from Malachi chapter 1 and verse 1. 5. The Oracle by the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, How have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have led waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, We are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down and they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Let's have a brief word of prayer before we turn to God's word. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your unchanging word. Father, we give thanks for how it still speaks today. <clears throat> Father, we thank you, Lord, even that we can come before you, that we can gather out, and even in such an occasion as this, in this anniversary Sunday, we can testify and give thanks, Lord, even to your goodness, even in our lives. And so, Father, speak to us today even through your word. Father, as we read your word, may impress even the great truths of it even upon our hearts. May the Holy Spirit, Lord, even speak to us even here today. And so, Father, we ask that all that is said and done would be to your glory and to your glory alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, anniversaries are indeed very important occasions. It's a good thing to remember and to give thanks to God's faithfulness for what he has done. In fact, it's a very important thing to do to remember anniversaries. In your own private relationships, in your own personal relationships as well, anniversaries are also important too. It's never a good thing to ever take the one you love for granted. And anniversaries do provide even that opportunity for you to let them know that they are loved and appreciated. But so often the Lord's people forgot to give thanks to the Lord for all he had done. So often it seemed they had taken him for granted. And in doing so, that had caused them actually to take their eyes off the Lord. You see, relationships must be maintained. That's true, isn't it? Relationships even require effort. Though promises and vows have maybe been made even years before, it's important that those relationships be maintained lest our love ever grow cold. And that was what was happening with the children of Israel in this passage. Let me give you a brief summary of the the background of this book for a moment. And it'll really help you understand, I think, as to what the prophet is, is talking about here. And I'm going to do this in a way that's hopefully easy to remember. You've heard of the, the three R's, haven't you? Reading, writing, and arithmetic. Well, um, this morning I'm going to uh, mention the four R's just to start off with very briefly. And this will be a help to you hopefully just to, to get the background and the setting into this book. There's four R's. So what was happening? First of all, there was rebellion. The children of Israel, they'd sinned against the Lord. They'd begun to make unwise alliances. To even worship idols as well too. They'd been unfaithful to God's covenant. And so when they broke that covenant, they had to face the consequences for their disobedience. God had judged the southern kingdom of Judah by allowing them to fall into the hands of the Babylonians. And under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar, he invaded Jerusalem. And what had happened, the temple was ransacked and the silver and gold were taken from it. They tore down even the city walls. They even took many of the people actually away into exile. And the northern kingdom of Israel also had been broken up and even assimilated under the mighty nation of Assyria. So all this had happened because of the people's rebellion. But yet God hadn't forsaken the people. As we were saying to the boys and girls there, God hadn't changed. The people had, but God hadn't. So in the midst of rebellion, then there's also return. After a period of 70 years, he brought his people out of their captivity, just as he promised. God had used even that period of captivity actually to be a means of humbling the people, to prepare their hearts. And God even used a king called Saras to defeat the Babylonians. And he allowed any of the exiles who wanted to, to return to the land. And so they returned, but actually a smaller number returned, actually only about 50,000 And under the leadership of a man called Zerubbabel, they began to rebuild the temple. But this brings us to our third R. They rebuilt. They rebuilt the temple. They sought to urge the people to trust in God. And so men like uh, Ezra and Nehemiah came to actually help and to to work with the people as well. But while the, the walls still lay in ruins, Nehemiah then returns. And what he does when he returns, well... There was a rebuilding work that then took place. And this book is actually written around the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And a small group of people then, they'd been in the land for a hundred years. But over those years, something had happened in the people's lives. You see, their relationship with the Lord had grown cold. At one point under Ezra and Nehemiah, they had renewed those covenant commitments to the Lord. There was a time when they were on fire for the Lord... But yet it seems their spiritual uh, spiritual temperature was cooling. And so there'd been a relapse. There'd been a relapse in their lives. And you might wonder, what was it that caused that relapse? Why, after people making those commitments to the Lord, why, after people who were being spiritually in fire for the Lord, what had gone wrong? Well, what happened in their lives was, for them it seemed as if little was happening. They didn't feel like God's chosen people. Because they were coming into a land which they remember the Lord had said was a land of flowing with milk and honey. They were struggling though economically. They felt neglected. They began to ask that question Is God working among us? They were also waiting on those promises that God had made, those promises even regarding that He would send a Messiah. And they were waiting for that promise still to be fulfilled. And so some were growing discouraged and impatient. But also some were also looking back to the past. But they were lamenting that, you know, things aren't what they were in the good old days. They were thinking back even to the old temple. And they were thinking what the old temple was like and what the new one was like. And the new temple wasn't just quite as, as big as the old one was. They were maybe thinking back of all who were there. And they said, no, you know what, that old temple was better. And what had happened was the people and the leaders had begun to grow hard-hearted and indifferent to God's word. They'd put away even their Jewish wives and they'd married foreign wives. And, and even what had happened, that influence was, began to take hold in their life, turning their hearts from God. They even began to withhold their tithes from God. Even in their offerings to God, they were giving God just simply their cast-offs. They were offering animals that were blind and lame. Instead of giving God their best, they were giving animals who were blemished. One commentator describes what was happening like this. A spirit of dull depression had settled over the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Skepticism and spiritual indifference had held the people in their grasp. And this flood of scepticism had filled the land. You know, it even affected even the religious leaders. Their religion became a matter of, of ritual and apathy. How sad this is. If ever our love for the Lord grows cold. There was spiritual decay and indifference. But again that didn't happen overnight, oh no. It took time. And it shows us the danger of what can happen if we ever grow lax in our relationship with the Lord. That's why I say anniversaries are an important occasion. We don't just remember them because of it's something we do every year. We remember them because it's good for us to remember the one who, even by, by whom is allowed is even to be here. That this church exists for the glory of God. That he is the one to be thanked and praised. And so look at verse 1 of Malachi. Because the Lord brings Malachi God's messenger. That's what his name means. My messenger. He comes to them with a series of six different oracles or messages for the people. We're just going to look at the first one of these oracles as we examine God's love and our hearts. Because he was challenging them about their hearts. See, one striking thing about the way this book begins is that there's very little background to the prophet himself. We don't know about his family. We don't know about even how he received this revelation from the Lord. But it's interesting the choice of words that's given. It talks about Malachi's oracle. In the ESV it talks about oracle. In the New King James it talks about a burden and the word that's used there refers even to this was something that was weighing heavily on Malachi's heart. God had given them this sober message for the people, to urge them to urge them to examine and search their own hearts. So Malachi focuses on the message, not on the messenger. What a good thing for the prophet to do. Is not what a good preacher should do. Not really speak about themselves, but speak about Christ. Even that is not what Paul said. Don't preach yourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. And so Malachi was burdened with this message. But what was the message? Verse two, he speaks of God's love and their hearts. The Lord gives his people a simple message: "I have loved you." You know what? This is such a simple message, isn't it? Such a simple message, but yet so profound. I remember back in the the 80s where they had the little uh, pins, wasn't it? And the little smiley face, and he always used to say, God loves you. And yes, it is a lovely thing to actually know that. There was a whole trend about that, but this whole expression here is, it's about more than communicating a warm, fuzzy feeling. We're going to come back to that. You see, when God says he loves his people, he's talking about a deeper love. A greater love. A love even which speaks of a commitment. But how did their people receive this revelation? Look how they respond in verse 2. How have you loved us? You know, this isn't some reply of curiosity. Lord, tell us how you've done this. It's more of a complaint. See, their hearts had grown hard. They were saying, You say you love us, but how have you loved us, Lord? You know, perhaps maybe there's people here today and maybe you're wondering that very same question. Maybe something has happened in your own life, maybe recently. Maybe an illness, maybe something in your family, maybe something even that has robbed you of your joy. Caused you maybe even to doubt or to question God's mercy and love. Perhaps there's an issue that's looming large in your life that's caused you to lose sight of even the the Lord's daily blessings even that he gives you. So what was an issue? What was the issue? Here was people who had forgotten their past. It's a good thing for us to remember the past and give thanks. That is even what an anniversary service is about, isn't it? To, To looking back to all that God has done. You know, they'd failed to appreciate, really, what God had done for them. He delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. There was other things he'd done for them as well. He provided for his people in the wilderness. He then, even uh, that period of even captivity, that period of judgment, the Lord even used that to actually prosper the people as well, too. He prepared even their hearts during that time. And so he caused that return. And not only did he cause the return, he even provided the very means for them to be able to rebuild the walls too, the very building materials to do that. God was good to these people. You know, that's why it's good for us to pause, to remember and give thanks. There's a reason that Paul often writes in his letters when he talks about praying, to pray with thanksgiving. To watch and to give thanks for all that God is doing, but to realise his, his continued mercies even in the present day. You see, the thing is, while we all while we remember the past, it's also important that we don't live in the past either. See, that was part of the temptation of these people; they were looking back to the past. And actually, sometimes I hear people talk about how maybe in days 20 years ago or more, and this is something even that people often talk about in Belfast, I know, how maybe 20 years ago, there would have been hundreds would have come to church. Even in a church such as Shankill, there wouldn't have been a free seat even on a Sunday. But yet, often in many churches up and down our lands, we don't see the same thing today. In many of our churches, there are smaller numbers gathering. But here's the thing, if we're always saying that and always looking back to the past, actually you're missing out on the blessings in the present. If we're continuously looking back going, ah, oh, but it wasn't like it was then. We're actually missing out on what God's doing now. We're missing out even on the ones and twos who are coming in. We're missing out and. Being thankful even for those children that you do have here. Sometimes I would hear even people talk about how there was a time maybe when we needed about two or three minibuses actually to bring uh, children along to Sunday school. And now one minibus goes out. But if we're saying that, we should be actually be thankful for those we do actually have. Praise God even for those children you have gathered out here. Praise God even for your brothers and sisters who are sitting around you today. Praise God that this church is still standing and ministering here in this area for 53 years. Praise God for that. Don't just be looking to the past, but give thanks in the present. But there's something else. You see, God's love is a faithful love. Not only do we see about God's love in our hearts, we see about God's love in his covenant. You see, in answer to them, Malachi replies, though the people had said, How have you loved us? God perhaps uses, or sorry, God through Malachi uses this unusual example. He says, Is not Esau Jacob's brother? Yet Jacob I've loved, but Esau I've hated, and even led waste his mountains, and even that uh, has led his heritage to jackals of the desert. I wonder why he used this example of Esau and Jacob? Maybe if it had been us, we might have said, well, what about the promises made to Abraham? Why Esau and Jacob? Esau was, was indeed Jacob's brother. They were actually twins. Not identical twins, certainly, but they were twins. Both had equal opportunity and privilege. In fact, Esau was actually the eldest, the one who had the natural right to the birthright. Yet of the two, God chose the youngest, Jacob. And his love, God's love is expressed even in that sovereign choice. But the other side of this covenant love is expressed even in his dealings with Esau. When God speaks of loving one and hating the other. It's not talking of just emotions. It's not talking of hate in terms of an outburst or something like that. When God chose Jacob, he didn't choose choose Esau. Instead, Esau was rejected, so was hated in that sense. So if covenantal love is about commitment to one, then covenantal hatred is the absence of any commitment or relationship with the other. Esau had been hostile to God, had even brought God's judgment upon himself, by even oppressing even the line of Jacob. God chose Jacob not because he was particularly deserving of it, Certainly he wasn't, think about what you know about the life of Jacob. He was a schemer. He was a deceiver. Neither of them particularly deserved God's promises. But yet God chose Jacob and all of his dealings was motivated by this covenant love. God loved Jacob and his people Israel, not because they were great in number, not because of what they would become, but simply because he set his love upon them. You see, the love here he's talking about is a covenant love, a love that is steadfast. And notice there even the name that it's used for the name of the Lord. In verse 2, it's written in capital letters, the name of the Lord written in capital letters, the Lord's personal covenant name, Yahweh or Jehovah. Why is that important? Because the love that God has for his children is unlike the love even that you, you sing about in this world. It's unlike the love even in, in human relationships because the love that the Lord has for his people is a covenant love that endures. That covenant love doesn't come and go. It doesn't change from day to day. The Lord loves his people. And when God shows that covenant love for someone who is, uh, for someone who is his, He will he is for them. He will stand by them like the covenant that a married couple would make. It's a love which is steadfast. It's a love that will endure both through the good times and through the bad. And he does not break that covenant commitment. He made promises to Abraham. He made promises to Isaac. He made promises to Jacob. He kept those promises even though his people strayed. He sent even the prophets as well too. Even when there was judgment, he sent the prophets to urge the people to turn back to him. Do you know, as you read through the prophets of God's covenant love, it is so touching. And never ever let our hearts ever grow cold about that covenant love that he has for us. Listen to what he says in Hosea. Through Hosea, he tells his people Israel was a child, I loved him and brought him out of Egypt. I called my son. And from that same chapter he uses the image also of a loving father again. And listen to this tender image. I taught Ephraim to walk. I took them by their arms. They didn't know that I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love. I stopped and also fed them. Hosea 11. Or Isaiah 43. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. God loves his people. Never, ever grow lax about that in our life. No matter how many years you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been along life's journey, always remember our love for the Lord and his love for us. You know, I heard the story of a farmer who'd placed a weather vane inscribed with the words, God is love. And he'd put that on top of his barn on the weather vane. But one day a traveller stopped by the farm and he watched the weather vane simply moving by the wind. And then with a the smirk in the face, the traveller asked the farmer, He says, Is that up there? Do you mean to say that your God is as changeable as the wind? And the farmer shook his head and said, No. He says, what I mean to say is that no matter what way the wind blows, God is love. You know, those words are so simple, aren't they? Those words are so simple, but believers here today, can you truly grasp the great love that the Lord has for you? He called you. He redeemed you. And you are his. He loved you so much he was willing to send his Son to leave the very splendor of heaven to come to earth. You know, just in our midweeks there, we were looking, we started a series in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 1 even recalls God's great redemption plan. How God sent his son to this earth. How he loves you so much that he sent his son to give of his life to pay that price for sin. He loves us so much that he keeps his eye ever upon us. So that even in our life to, to guide us He even seeks to restore us even when we stray. He loves you enough to even prepare a heavenly home for us. Consider how he loves us. See what kind of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Christian today, be assured of that covenant love that though your situation may even be looming large in your life, God's love hasn't changed towards you. It hasn't. He still loves you and he's still there with you right in the midst of even that difficulty. But how is our love for God? And this another anniversary year. I don't know how many anniversaries maybe you can remember. I don't know how long you've been in the church here. But how is our spiritual life even from last year? Has it progressed in our faith? Has it begun to grow cold? What about our? our private quiet times? What about our prayer life as well? What is God doing in your life now? I always remember in classes in evangelism at college, they used to tell us about whenever you were given your testimony, never forget to don't just talk about what life was like before you met the Lord, but talk about actually now, what is the Lord teaching you here and now? What's he continuing to do in your life? What if I were to ask you that today? Now don't look in panic. I'm not going to do that as a shake your hand in the door. But imagine if I was to say to you, what's the Lord been teaching you recently in his word? You see, theirs was a a formal worship. The people in Malachi's day had begun to grow lax. They had begun to grow, just not give the Lord their best, not even give him their second best, but just to give them their leftovers. They were bringing sacrifices. And actually those sacrifices were blemished. Let's give you a picture of what that was like. When I was at college I preached sometimes in some country churches. And I actually was at one church at uh, one time. And uh, you know, can you imagine going along to that house? And often when you went to a house sometimes there would be you know a great spread laid out before you. But imagine I went to sometimes some farmer's houses. Now, being a city boy myself, I didn't know much about farming or anything like that. But could you imagine if I went along to a house and the farmer sets out then the dinner and it's lamb, lamb for dinner today. You may be thinking, great. But imagine if the farmer then turns around to say, do you know that lamb there? Well, you know, he hasn't been too well recently. Over the last number of weeks, he's been quite sick. You know, he's been limping around the fields for a while but, you know, hey, I don't want to waste it, you know. So here you are. Enjoy your dinner. How would you feed Consider how the Lord felt then as they brought their offerings like this to the Lord. Animals that were blemished. But lastly, consider God's love and their future. The Lord reminds his people not only of his steadfast love, but the outcome of that steadfast love let us be giving our best to the Lord not our second best not our third best not our leftovers but to give our best to the Lord you know he looks at Edom's line Esau's line those who were outside of God's covenant love and they faced destruction here were those who had attacked the Israelites attacked the Israelites when they were dying and so God was going to allow them to be judged to be food for the jackals they were going to be brought low Verse 4, they said to themselves, Ah, oh, but sure we may, they may rebuild. They thought to themselves, we can just rebuild. If the Lord does this to us, we can rebuild. We'll be fine. And yet the Lord tells them differently. I'll tear down and they'll be a wicked country. Imagine that, being known as the wicked country. What a name. What name even do people have to say about us? Or of our testimony as well. It's a challenge too. You know, there are many who perhaps think presumptuously like these Edomites. They think no one will tell us what to do, but one day all must give an account before the Lord, the one who is ultimately in charge of our lives, the one who ultimately rules over all. That was the future for the Edomites, for those who rejected the Lord. And actually, in history, they faded away. But what of the Lord's people? Look at verse 5. In the judgment even of these other nations, this was going to happen as a testimony to Israel. And you'll say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. The proof of God's love was going to even be displayed in his judgment. Time and time, God brings his people back to consider his greatness. In this book, you'll find great is your king. Great is the Lord your king. How great is the Lord. And you know what? If we want to maintain that spiritual life, how we must always have the Lord in view. You know, as we close here today, how is our vision? How is our vision from the Lord, from what it was even in the 52nd anniversary, has our vision and our love for the Lord increased? Do we know the Lord even here today? You know, we are living in a land where many are like those Edomites. They think they can just live their own way little realising that one day they will give an account. But yet God is one who in his love seeks to send even those to to bring people back to him. The Lord sent his only son to give of his life, to live, suffer and die, to rise again in order that we may have life everlasting. A Christian here today, do you know of God's steadfast love? Maybe you do, maybe you talk about it, but yet, have we ever stopped to give thanks for it? Have we ever stopped to give thanks for all that the Lord has done, even in your recent days? You know, we looked today at God's love and their hearts. We've looked today at God's love and his covenant. We've looked today even of God's love and their future. But what about you? What about God's love and your heart? What about God's love and even the covenant you've made with him? Are you walking with him? But what about the Lord's love and his future? Are you trusting in him each day? If we have that trust in Christ, praise God, we have a glorious future. That future is secure. So let us in this 53rd anniversary stop and give thanks. And let us look forward forward. the glorious future that he has prepared for you in Christ Jesus. May God help us even as we seek to give thanks and to give praise even to him now. We're going to close this just this first part of our service by singing this hymn.